is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss the best basketball team on the face of the planet, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is New Year's Eve, Eve 1230-2015. I am, uh, to the chagrin of Michael Wilbon, I am in my sister's basement here in the great state of Iowa. It is freezing out. It is cold. And once again, your Washington Wizards uh, have dropped another game. But with me tonight is a treat. I've been trying to track him down, and luckily I'm able to before the new calendar year. You know his name. No more introductions. Mr. Mister Truth About It, Kawida. What is up, bro? Good, sir. Reporting in from the District of Columbia. And, uh, yeah, it is officially New Year's Eve now. The clock has struck midnight, and so it's Thursday December 31st, 2015, and I could not think of a better way to spend a portion of it than doing a podcast yourself. It's been a while, so uh, it, I'm, I'm long overdue, so it's good that we get one last one in. Unfortunately, like you said, the Wizards ended the year in Wizards fashion with the loss to the Raptors, so I think I did some, uh, some of that new advanced analytical math earlier. And I think in the calendar year 2015, at least, that puts the Wizards at 38 and 43 in regular season games, although six and four in playoff games. So that was nice. But um, but so, yeah, so we'll see what 2016 bring, brings for this team. So that means the Wizards were 44 and 47. <laughs> so it's, I, we suffered 47 losses in 2015. Wow. It feels like 97 for some reason. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, the, the reason I wanted to track you down before, uh, <laughs> because I knew when the Wizards were on a winning streak, I wanted to, I'm tired of having, all these podcasts I have have ended up being negative. I'm usually ranting in a, in a drunken rant to John and, and, and Connor about the Lakers loss. I'm uh, going with Chris Thompson on a two-hour podcast about all the woes of this team and, and going through all this thing. And I kind of just wanted to talk some fun stuff. And we finally had a four-game winning streak of the team. And I tried to catch you, I think, on the, the third game and things didn't work out and, you know, Christmas happened and and, and all and all that good stuff and you know you travel and you, you do things and and eat and and then of course by the time we try to try to do one over the holiday break the wizards have to lose two straight so now we're on now we're on a negative one and but before I want to talk about the positive one but we have to talk about the the, the, the losses the wizards currently sit at 14 and 16 you know they won four in a row had lost, now have lost two in a row they lost tonight uh, 94 to 91 they lost on Monday evening to the clippers pretty handily i know that you were at that game and i want to get into that one but first let's just do a little post game it's a post game show Kyle first time we've ever had a post game pod this game has now been over for about an hour or two i watched it on the laptop in my sister's living room and there were what a kind of a once again kind of a weird game i i'm actually surprised the game was close i felt the wizards were it looked like one they were going to. They didn't really show up in the first half. It looked like they were going to probably get blown out. They scraped back by. I thought they kind of got screwed on some calls by the refs. I some shots didn't go their ways, and they lose ninety four to ninety one. Your thoughts overall on the uh, Raptors game that you just witnessed tonight? Yeah, it, it was a weird game because at no point did they seem 
like they were motivated to win or that they could win. I mean, there were minor pockets, but it looked almost similar to the Clippers game. And they somehow grinded their way back in. Now, I think the what they, they did play nice defense. And that's, you know, even the previous Raptors game, they were able to guard like a perimeter-heavy Raptors team pretty well. Um, and so tonight they had a uh, around a 92 defensive rating, which is points given up per 100 possession average. And so that's one of the top five defensive games um, of the year. In their previous um, loss to Toronto, they played well defensively, like I said. But the problem tonight is that they sort of negated those efforts by one putting the Raptors at the line so many times. Toronto took 39 free throws, made 32. And I do think there were some questionable calls. Um, there were some calls that looked questionable that were good. So it, the rest were not on their game. Um, I can't you know, say that that, that's a, you know, that decided the outcome necessarily. But, um, but yeah, the Wizards put the Raptors on the line so many times. Uh, Washington only took 17, made 13. And then just offensive rebounds. I mean, Toronto got 15 offensive boards and outscored the Wizards 21 to six in second chance points. So the Raptors were the tougher team, even though Washington, you know, hung in there defensively and you know came down the last possession. They had three chances, decent. I'm not going to say great drawn up plays, but decent looks to tie the game with a three pointer. But uh, but ended up missing all of them. Yeah, the reason I was bitching about the rest, you've never been a, been one to bear excuses on the rest, right? And, 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 and me either. Of course, I'm going to have commentary along the way, and I felt that, that there was two ones that stood out. One time the Wizards played really good defense down to you know three seconds left on the 24-second clock, and DeRozan was stumbling, kind of threw up a shot. They gave, they gave the Wizards... Uh, they gave the Raptors a foul, kind of bailed them out. I'm always pissed off when I get a bailout call. And then the then the Wizards go down the court, go two times. So not even the pull-up jumpers, not and they go two times at the rim. Gortat maybe got fouled, probably maybe didn't. Wall totally got hammered, no call. And then the Raptors and then again drew some kind of touch foul a little bit on Lowry. Porter was a little bit out of out of position. So yeah, maybe 50-50 call. Goes Lowry's way, and then I think and the dead ball is when Wall gets the technical, which is ill-advised at that moment, and, and it just kind of highlighted those two things of what was happening. And then even the and there was another call at the end I thought was way questionable on Wall. Uh, he got all ball. They said maybe he got the foul on his arm. Garrett Temple fouled fouled out. I thought maybe three of his foul calls were iffy at best. The the, the foul calls were twenty seven to sixteen. Uh, again, the Wizards had 27, the Raptors had 16. The free throw difference, like you mentioned, was was 20. Uh, the, the Raptors shot 22 more. Now, my point is is that, yes, the Raptors were the tougher team, but I don't think they were 22 free throws tougher. To me, it wasn't about the refs. It was about uh, the second quarter. I mean, the Wizards scored 14 points in the second quarter. They went through the motions, and the offense was pretty much terrible. And I don't know when uh, Bismack Biombo turned into Dennis Rodman, but he basically dominated Gortat on several plays, pushed guys out of the way, was was a nuisance. And I think Toronto kind of messed up by not leaving him in the game at the end. How, how did you see those those differences of the fourth quarter and Biombo's play against Gortat? Biombo was a difference maker. And, the, the, you know, I guess what's deceiving is that Luis Scola led the Raptors. Actually, he and Terrence Ross 
for the Raptors with each having plus 10. Of course, we know that, you know, single game plus minus isn't you can't infer much off of it. But I thought with Scola in the game, the Wizards actually did an okay job defensively, even better job, um, and, and had a little bit of an on offense, especially when Jared Dudley was matched up against Scola. But when they had the combination of Biombo and Patrick Patterson, so you're talking about, you know, Valanchunas, he, he started because he's just sort of coming back into the season. Um, but the combination of Biombo and Patterson off the bench was part of some of their better lineups. If you're talking about, uh, you know, how they fared versus the Wizards. And, and them, those two with some combination of Terrence Ross and Corey Joseph, who Terrence Ross just hit so many threes tonight. He was shooting lights out because he went uh, two for four from, from deep. But he hit some big ones late. And then Rosen or Lowry with those five. But, you know, that's where... You know, Biombo just, you knew he had it in him, and he's not much of an offensive player, but he really just disturbed the Wizards a lot in the paint. And I think that got, got to him a little bit, and that's why they, you saw some shots that weren't exactly ideal shots later in the game. I think also the, that the boards, it kind of showed that the Wizards maybe need a backup big. I mean, I know that they've been playing Humphreys more at the five to back up Gortat. Gortat, who has been excellent over these last few weeks, and we're going to get into his play. Uh, he was named Player of the Week and very instrumental in their four-game winning streak. He just didn't have it tonight. I mean, there was a couple of times where he missed some easy bunnies. Biombo just pushed him out of the way. I think the Wizards maybe should have maybe gone to him a little bit more. I think they, a little bit on the two-man game, but him and Wall were off. There was a couple of times where Wall would pass it to him, and he wasn't even ready for the ball. It just didn't, it seemed that the Wizards especially in the first half, them being off their game kind of was around Gortat a lot. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, Jorge Castillo from the Post reported that Dewan Blair was a late scratch due to a leg injury or what have you. I mean, not that Dewan Blair would have done anything, but when you look at it, it's like the Wizards have two big men, Gortat and Humphreys, and both of them really got out-muscled tonight. Humphreys, too, off the bench. Another good highlight for the Wizards, because we're doing Raptors postgame to, to finish this up, is I thought Porter played well, especially in the in the second half, because as the Wizards looked dead in the first half and then kind of coming back, I thought this game was going to be a 15-20 point blowout. I, mean, I thought this game was over, Raptors were going to go on one more run, the Wizards were just put in cruise control, as we've seen over the years, and it didn't really happen, and Porter got hot. And kind of scratched and clawed, and, and he kind of reminded me of a little bit of his series last uh, last playoff season about how he kind of bothered DeRozan. I know DeRozan had a big game offensively, but he took a lot of shots, and and he, he made him work for that a lot. I was kind of disappointed uh, in Kelly Oubre's play. He looked kind of overmatched. So that that whole debate of a Porter and Oubre who was going to start, uh, I think, could possibly be ending uh, tonight because I think Porter got the start for the first time. Correct? Yeah, starting lineup, and you know, of course, that makes sense. I think Porter, is, women's going to go with the guy who's put in more work. And the key to Otto is that if his three point shots hitting, so he went for five tonight. And so that makes his total in the three he's been back is seven for 13. And so I think if he can really get that three point rhythm, that is the key that I know he does cutting and a lot of little things. He's one of the better team defenders, but whether if he's going to be ever be a difference maker, because the Washington, you know, they need someone besides wall or Gortat to step up, up every night. If Porter is going to um, be that guy going forward, 
He's got his three-point shot. The other positive takeaway I would have for this game, disappointing as the Raptors' collapse was in Verizon Center, them kind of scratching back tonight, you know, without Beal, with only two bigs, missing essentially a starting five, six guys, correct? I mean, they're missing six guys on the roster, potentially, five or six. They're down to nine players? I believe so. Counting a D-league yeah. that they just signed. So they basically have eight players that, that they had from training camp in that they came back on the Raptors court and that also that this is the team that if they want to, you know, go to where they want to be and there's still a, a possibility, we'll get into that a little bit later, that this is the team that they have to beat. And as much as disappointing as it was to come down to a shot there at the end, if you could take some positives from that, unfortunately I know we don't we're not about the moral victories but I felt that there was more positive in this game than than at halftime it looked like there was going to be yeah definitely you know Sessions Sessions was on the court down the stretch instead of Garrett Temple um, a lot and you saw that both he and Wall could attack the basket so that's how they they started coming back and of course that opened up you know at least a shot that Gortat finally caught and dunked on that opened up a couple shots for Dudley. So you're right. They, they fought back, and part of that involved Wall switching off um, on DeRozan and guarding him a little bit, and he had some tough possessions uh, defensively against DeRozan. So it was nice to see them wake up a little bit, but I don't think it solves any of the great outline concerns for this team that already existed. Oh, it solves nothing. I'm just looking for a little positive pixels to, as, I, as, I, as I segue into the Clippers' defeat on Monday night. <laughs> right. uh, on, on the Monday night. And to me, once again, here's the Wizards. Great victory in Brooklyn. Why I wanted to do a podcast after that. I want to, want to talk about this team on winning streak and other losing streak because here they come in, the Clippers on the East Coast, missing their all-star power forward. Monday night, the Wizards are rested. Great road victory on Saturday afternoon. So they got pretty much two days <laughs> Two days since they play, and just laid an egg. I, I, I watched the whole game. Uh, I actually I stopped watching. I think the last four or five minutes because I needed to go spend time with my family because I just spent two hours in a recliner, uh, yelling at a computer with headphones, looking like a crazy person. Uh, it just wasn't competitive. I, I feel like the Clippers. I mean, to me, I don't even have many notes of this game. I know you were there, and I kind of want to get your thoughts of what you saw in person, what you kind of heard from the players afterwards, and what kind of takeaways you have from it. But to me, from watching it uh, on the on the computer screen, it was the Wizards went down early, and then that was pretty much it. They couldn't get a stop, and the Clippers did whatever they wanted to offensively, pretty much. Yeah, it was... You know, uh, it was one of those games, and something that sticks out to me that Doug Collins said on the ESPN broadcast recently, and, and I don't know why I'm, like, using Doug Collins for some <laughs> sort of, you know, grand knowledge. He was an ex-Wizards coach, so I guess there's always relevance. But he said he's a big, like, first-quarter guy and, of course, third-quarter guy. And so how a team um, comes out and sets the tone is, is how that game's going to go. And probably more than often, I don't know if there's analytics on that, you know, uh, but more than often, that might ring true. Uh, we've seen a lot of different things happen in games with comebacks and stuff. But this was an instance against the Clippers where I think Chris Paul DeAndre Jordan really just established their dominance and sort of their ability to play together, their 
especially how physical DeAndre Jordan is compared to Gortat, those two just outmatched Wall and Gortat in the early going. And that sort of put the whole team to, to sleep a little bit. I mean, Chris Paul had, I think, three assists, all lobs to three Jordan baskets within the first, like, four or five minutes of the game. Um, and while Wall and Gortat just did not display that rhythm, I think Wall took a couple shots that just weren't, I mean, yeah, there's shots he can take, but it wasn't him sort of commanding the game like Chris Paul did. It was while trying to show the skills, the individual skills that he has, whether it's, you know, ability to make shots or make passes or get steals. And so once the Clippers set that tone that they were just going to run the pick and roll to death, and you know the Wizards just weren't be able to go, weren't going to be able to stop it. It was disappointing because last year I thought Wall the the victory at home against the Clippers was one of the highlights of the season in the sense that it kind of showed like Wall belonged on the big the big the big stage because he'd all I think he had he hadn't beat uh, CP3 head to head since in his career I don't think until then and and then to then to go down DeAndre and then kind of be. 500 kind of club and kind of disappointing in the Paul Pierce homecoming, you know, whatever you want to call it, a homecoming after one season, throw a dud out there and just kill all momentum. It was just such a so wizard thing, like all momentum. It, like it wasn't even competitive. I was shocked. I don't understand it. It's one of those things after the game's over, I'm like, okay, you know, if it was the Warriors or the Spurs or, you know, oh, it wasn't their night. It was like, oh, this team's okay, missing a big guy, and the Wizards weren't even competitive. I think I thought maybe probably the biggest sequence aside from the one you're talking about. I think JJ Redick hit a three in the corner, and then Jamal Crawford hit another three right away, and then that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that JJ Redick three. I remember like Paul Pierce had the ball under the basket and gave like sort of the slow Paul Pierce pump fake, and it's like you know it just pump fake just oozing with veteran savvy, I guess. And then he put it right to Redick in the corner. And I can't remember who went too far off Tem- of Reddick. I think it was Garrett Temple. It's always and simple. and just Whitman was just so pissed because uh, you know he, he everyone saw it coming that Paul Pierce wasn't necessarily going to go. He was in a bad position. He was well. He didn't even know under the basket that he was necessarily going to go up. I mean, and uh, Whitman was just so mad because I think even after the game, Whitman talked about that play and how there's a ball that the Wizards could have gotten that ultimately led at J.J. Redick 3. So it, it really stuck out in the coach's mind, and I know he hated that, just even looking at him on the sideline. So, yeah, that, that definitely stood out. And, again, I'll, I'll go back. Wizards knew what they were getting into because, well, one, you had Wall say after the game that it was probably harder to guard the Clippers without Blake Griffin because there was more spacing on the floor, which is, you know, theoretically what the Wizards are trying to do this year. Um but even Whitman said before the game that he expected a lot more pick and rolls. And so the Wizards knew that that was coming, and they still just looked lost and confused and manipulated by Chris Paul. Gortat found himself out of position, but then guys like Ramon Sessions, who were supposed to be you know, helping, just weren't there. And, and it, was, it, was just a, yeah, it was just a mess. And so you know, at least uh, we'll see if the Wizards can pay a layback when they go out there. But it, it just wasn't a, a good way to cap off a four-game winning streak. No, no. The, the one play that sticks out is when Gortat shows on DeAndre Jordan on the pick and roll at the three-point line for some reason and doesn't go back because, you know, DeAndre Jordan is such a, a huge threat offensively on the outside. And then Ramon Sessions 
basically goes to the the hoop. And so instead of going to Jordan, he just takes back off and Jordan just gets a wide open dunk. I was like, that is like pick and roll 101. Uh, it drove me insane. But what I want to know, since you were there, what was, did, did Pierce get booed? What was, I heard there were some jeers. What kind of reception did Pierce get? What was his quotes? I know that you interviewed, I know you did a piece on Dudley, which I will link in the show notes. And you kind of talked about his time with the Clippers and talked to Doc Rivers. Just talk to me about uh, all you experienced on, on those two topics. Uh, yeah, I think Pierce, you got you got respectful cheers at first. And I, at some point during the game, it, it wasn't like it happened all game, but it did happen a couple times in a row that, he was booed a little bit from the upper levels when he touched the ball. I think that was maybe had something to do that the Wizards were losing by by so much at that point. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually didn't speak to Pierce before after the game. I left that to uh, Mr. Rubin from our, our Truth About It colleague, and he actually had a nice uh, write up about talking to Pierce in his in his key legislature and everything. He. You can tell early when he sort of hit a nice and smooth shot, uh, uh, you know, against Jared Dudley that he was going to, you know, make his contributions. And even the Clippers actually put him, what I found found funny was they put him on Kelly Oubre instead of Jared Dudley, or excuse me, Doc Rivers or the Clippers did. And so that was, it's like the, the Wizards, uh, he was trying to hide him defensively against the rookie out there and so it, it worked to LA's favor what can you say talking to uh Doc Rivers about Dudley yeah you know it was one of the sort of like you know do you wish you had him back since the the point is that Rivers is both the GM and head coach of the Clippers and yeah Jared Dudley didn't play well that year he was hurt he's kind of playing hurt Rivers then traded him just because you know I don't know if they he wanted to clear space to make a lot more maneuvers or what but He's Dudley now is an exact kind of guy that LA needs, and Doc Rivers sent him to Milwaukee with a top fourteen protected first round pick, um, and, and for for pretty much nothing. It's like maybe a second round pick and two guys that the Clippers ended up waving. So it was just an interesting situation. And Doc Rivers was like, "Well, you know, we wish if he played well, then he would still be a Clipper, and you know, we wish things were different. He was hurt, but it was really how how much." simply trading a good player like that and not even investing it in him a little bit more because, you know, Rivers in the first place got Dudley and Reddick in a trade where they, he sent Eric Bledsoe to Phoenix. So you even want to, it's not that you have to keep Dudley, but in a sense you think he's a good player. He's only like 28 when he got to the Clippers that you would keep him around a little bit longer since you've already invested in him. But that didn't happen. That was Milwaukee's game last year and he really helped that young team out um and then it's washington game washington's game this year uh but yeah i think Blake, for his part talked to him spoke to him after the game and that's when he gave the sort of you know doc rivers is a hall of fame coach but i don't know if he's a hall of fame gm type of skill um but you know but i think dudley's really called it a blessing in disguise even though he you know he really would have loved to keep playing for la he's from san diego everyone sort of has that allure playing near home. Uh, I think he found the value in Mil- being in Milwaukee. And then he even credited like, you know, the, the Milwaukee organization a little bit in saying that he credited John Hammond, their GM and Jason Kidd and actually letting him go to the Wizards. Cause I think, you know, at the time in the off season, Dudley saw that he might not get as much playing time in Milwaukee. Cause they're trying to get some of the, the younger kids playing time and figured he would, you know, he wanted to go to a, playoff team with more of a chance and so 
he he gave a shout out to the Milwaukee organization and and he sort of the last the last line is like, you know, if you do an organization right, hopefully they do you right too. And I think his point is he played hurt for Los Angeles, but then they didn't really give him as much of a chance after he did that and that, you know, after he sacrificed that way. And so I don't think, you know, Dudley had a good taste in his mouth from that experience. Uh, Dudley was was pretty solid tonight as well. He had 17 points, 6 of 10 from the, from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. I th- I believe he still is the leading uh, three-point shooter in the NBA. I, I don't know. I know he didn't. Uh, play very well against the Clippers, which is kind of funny considering you wrote that article. <laughs> kind of kind of ruined your lead uh, of the narrative of all that. Uh, that you know he kind of didn't have a very good game. Played pretty damn well tonight, and he's been awesome. Uh, he has been exactly everything he was advertised uh, to be. Obviously, I was skeptical with his back injury. There's probably, probably something to still monitor as the season uh, progresses into the second half and, and the Wizards hopefully prepare for a playoff run. Uh, his minutes, I know that Whitman, I think, has mentioned uh, something here and there about trying to limit his minutes. I know that that hasn't been a luxury with basically playing seven guys <laughs> a few games <laughs> in their victories and playing pretty well. But I, just just your thoughts of what you've seen out of Dudley as a Wizard uh, before we move on. Yeah, Whitman made the same, similar comment before the game. It's like now Dudley's playing exactly how they wanted him to play what how they envisioned him playing and he you know, he's hitting his three-point shots leading the NBA I mean that's I mean what can you do with the John Wall effect right there and then he's just a really smart defensive player just no he's not a athletic guy but he surprises you how fast he can get into the right position or how he can use his leverage to guard a guy like Zach Randolph or other big guys or even guard down so yeah he he's really been great for the team and I think he you know, for the from a media perspective, he's a very talkative guy. He gets into game strategy. He sort of says things that are provocative, obviously, with the uh, the Doc Rivers, not a Hall of Fame GM quote. Um, and he's a very insightful person. I think we've, you know, a lot of people have probably heard him on the Zach Lowe podcast and other places, and you think that he could be a guy who has a job uh, as an analyst after his playing days are over. So from media part, he's great from a basketball Part. He's doing well for the Wizards. I think um, just as long as he stays healthy, which it, it seems that hopefully they can manage that. Um, maybe Drew Gooden comes back soon and, and gives Dudley somewhat of a spell from the four position. He's really been a benefit for the team and a good voice in the locker room as well. No, it's funny. He had three steals tonight <laughs> as well, which is, which is weird because he's not really that nimble of a guy. And I think the, the play that, that stands out is he got a steal and then he kind of cut across the guy. And, and, uh, I forget what, what player, maybe it was Patterson, and drew a foul on him because he basically used the angle on him against him, draws the contact, it was an and one, and even Phil Shanira kind of noted uh, what a kind of smarty, heady play that was. And But going back to uh, this winning streak, let's, let's talk something positive because every other thing on this list is all negative. So let's talk something positive, Kyle. A four-game winning streak. Uh, they were four-game four, winning streak. They were 14-14. and 14. Uh, they beat Charlotte one hundred nine to one hundred one at home. They beat uh, Sacramento one thirteen to ninety nine at home. Another home win right before Christmas against Memphis, one hundred ninety one, avenging a, a blowout loss to Memphis and a, and, a, and a handily defeat to Charlotte before Thanksgiving, and then handling Brooklyn Brooklyn pretty easily in the fourth quarter, pulling away to win one one eleven to ninety six. Uh, just your overall sense of this four-game winning streak, Kyle, that now obviously is not 
not valid anymore, but I still need to acknowledge it because the Wizards had not won two games in a row for over a month. So let's celebrate this four-game winning streak and just your your overall sense of what you saw, the kind of basketball. It basically was kind of the best basketball they played all year and very shorthanded, which is, you know, a very Wizards thing to do, weirdly, in this bizarre season. Yeah, they and, and they're totally valid because they were very much needed. I think they hit a little bit of a, a, a nice patch where they've caught some teams in a favorable position. You, you talk about the Hornets uh, game. You know, that's coming off the embarrassing loss in Charlotte where the Hornets essentially went on a 25-0 run toward the end of the game uh, to just suddenly blow the Wizards away in the fourth quarter. And so if you look at that game, um, that was a start of that three-game, those three games at home where Wall and Gortat really dominated other teams similar to how they got dominated against Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. So wall had 27 and 12 against the Hornets and, you know, Dudley and Temple stepped up. We're playing well in addition to Gortat. Um, and then the, the Kings and Grizzlies game, they caught both of those teams on the second night of a back to back. And so again, wall showed he was a dominant point guard. He, after outplaying Kemba, he outplayed Rondo uh, as well as Mike Conley. Of course, you know, it's, he didn't like, Totally dominate him, but he definitely won that matchup. And so in Gortat, he he loves playing. You know, I think Boogie Cousins gets under Gortat's skin as much as Gortat knows how to sort of get under Boogie's skin. So Gortat, and, and Gortat knows he can run, and if he gets into Boogie's head earlier, he, he won't try as much later. I think he even made a, you know, I was actually watching the Kings game on TV from home, and uh, Gortat made a comment to Chris Miller at halftime, like, well, Boogie's a great player, but you have to play defense too. And that was definitely the case there. Garrett Temple and Dudley were both part of that, a key parts of that winning streak. And then, the, you know, they went up to Brooklyn, the second worst team in the East. Gortat got going in that game. He can outrun Brook Lopez and the Wizards use that to their advantage. So it was, it was a very much needed four-game winning streak. And I still think... You know, it's still a positive part going forward, even though these last two losses were pretty disappointing. You at least saw that that chemistry between Wall and Gortat and how that can really affect games. You, when you saw that happening, you you know, there's promise that they can continue to turn to that later in the season. You know, here, here the Wizards are finally, they're, I mean, they're literally undermanned to undermanned. They got, what, one backup guard versus the Kings? I think they had, they just had sessions. Yeah. <laughs> right. So not, they only played seven players the whole game. They went back to their bread and butter, which is Wall and Gortat. They went heavy Wall and Gortat, pick and rolls, dominated, and basically Gortat won the matchup against Casal and Randolph. Won the matchup against Boogie. He beat Boogie down the court many times. Wall had a, a career high in assists, and then Temple knocked down shots. Dudley knocked down shots, and even Kelly Oubre knocked down shots. And, and you saw some type of cohesion, and they they wouldn't waste momentum. So there's no time in in these games where you ever kind of thought that the Wizards were going to lose. I, I mean, there were there was times where it got close and they could have gone either way, but the Wizards took the momentum each time. Where some of these other games, like tonight, for example, there was no time this whole game tonight that I thought the Wizards would win. There was no time in the Clippers game I thought they would win. You know, sometimes it can go either or, but in those games they were pretty much in control and dominant almost throughout the whole game. Even the even though the Brooklyn game was kind of kind of close. Uh, Score-wise, you could just kind of see a little pep in their step of how smoothly they run offensively. Another thing too that comes to mind about about this was just different contributors. I mean, Gortat was like we mentioned, Gortat ended up being NBA Player of the Week. Uh, 
Eddie, let's talk about him. Gerald Eddie signed uh, from the D League. I, of course, should have. I don't follow ACC basketball that much. I'm sorry for the Hokie fans listening. I didn't know who he was. Uh, I get. I, I kind of barely remember him from Summer League, but I stopped really paying attention to Summer League guys that I know aren't going to make the team because there's so many of them. <laughs> I kind of remember him a little bit. I don't remember him standing out at all. And the Wizards get a guy that shot 50% in, from three from the D-League. I think he won the D-League three-point contest last year. He was shooting, he shot 45%, I believe, last year. and was shooting 50 this year. I, I could be mixed up on those stats. Uh, anyway, point is, really good shooter. Comes into Brooklyn, bam, bust four big threes uh, in the second half and pretty much helped put that game away. They were pure. They were good. Tonight, not as good. Uh, I think the Eddie bubble burst a little bit on some questionable shots in the first half, but we're not. once again, we're going to stay positive. Kyle, Eddie, where the hell did this guy come from? And just, does the Wizards finally find a guy that can shoot the rock? And and we've been sc- always screaming about guys that uh, the Wizards need more guys that can shoot the rock, especially off the bench. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think he was, after signing Ryan Hollins to help with interior defense off the bench, which, you know, didn't really work out with that. Uh, they went with a guard. Uh, maybe thinking that Nene or Drew Good would be back sooner, but uh, or a guard wing, uh, and so yeah, I think giving Eddie a shot. He's a was with the Austin Spurs. Giving him a shot as a, one of the best shooters in a D League was sort of a, a no brainer move to make. Yeah, he what impressed me about him going four for seven in that Nets game was his mechanics are it's, they remind me of Kyle Korver. Like they're so sort of sharp and and quick. He's quick got release, such a quick right? release, yeah. you know. Uh, we'll see what he does, but yeah, against the Clippers, he went two for seven, and then some, you know, one of his, I think his first three-point shot just hit the side of the backboard uh, tonight, and just, he didn't fare well after that, but, you know, sometimes shooters can be streaky, or that he just had one of those nights, so we'll we'll see, maybe teams were a little bit more aware of him, obviously from the skeleton court, and how he came and hit four three-pointer, four straight three-pointers in his first game. Uh, his first NBA game. Yeah, uh, he, depending on Gary Neal's health, because especially he's been out a little bit, uh, you know, Eddie might come up in his next couple games. He might be key. Let's, we haven't mentioned him yet, and I didn't even have him down, but Kelly Oubre. Here's my thing about Kelly. I He, is, he did not have a good game tonight. I think he got beat off the dribble a couple of times. Uh, defensively, the ball went out of his hands offensively. Tonight was one of the f- first times I'd seen in a while – where he kind of looked like he had the, the the rookie jitters back. Because in this winning streak, and even before, even when he got some run in the Spurs game, he had kind of had his, his best offensive game of the season. He always kind of showed that he belonged. Even when, maybe when his shot wasn't wasn't going down, the way his shot has been, I mean, he's made a three, couple threes almost every game, it seemed like, in very pure shots and didn't try to do too much. Uh, and when he did, it was always kind of aggressive. And on defense, you know, he still would get fouls a lot and get some of these rookie calls. But he'd get deflections. He'd get out and run. And he was he was finding his spots and, and improving. And the thing I'd always say is that he just felt like he belonged. That that it wasn't he wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. Wasn't overwhelmed being 20 years old and being you know in the in the NBA and here being a starter, being a rotation guy. And the moment didn't really engulf him that sometimes you can kind of see uh, players or you see them have one good game and then 
you know, three bad ones. Now we've seen, you know, he had a rocky game tonight. I think that, you know, playing with the, obviously playing more with John Wall usually helps. <laughs> I think that we've always kind of seen that your numbers are better with John Wall. But your thoughts on Kelly and what you've seen out of the Rook over the last few weeks? What has stood out to me the most is his patience for a rookie. I mean, and then you think about, like, coming in from the NBA draft and he caught all the attention with spiky shoes and, and then he had sort of a couple boastful comments and people, you know, some people really judged him on that. It was, it was silly and he's just a kid, but he comes in and yeah, early on, he, when he first started getting time, he fouled a lot and he still fouls a lot. I think that's just something that rookies have to go through, especially someone who is an aggressive of a defensive player. Like he is the, the refs are probably getting used to calling him too. And once they see, that, oh, this guy's a, an aggressive defender, and that's sort of where he tries to make his mark. The rest will probably be more forgiving at some point. Uh, but, yeah, he's just sort of patience on both ends. Yeah, he doesn't. he's taken a couple bad rookie shots, but more than not, he seems to make the right swing pass, or there's been a couple plays where he's pulled up nicely and, and have, has a very nice three-point shooting motion, but there's also plays where he can drive and get to the hoop um and he's his demeanor on the court you know he's not he's not like a like a out loud sort of guy but he's not you know he's not too quiet but he just sort of fits in like you said when you look at him he looks like he fits on the court and so that that's nice to see him developing so fast and you know as a rookie you know you're not going to get you know what's going to always get you time faster is what you do on a defensive end and i think when we've seen with Otto Porter um, him trying to learn, you know, on the fly and having some struggles early, but it's always what he did on on the defensive end that, that got him time. And now Kelly Oubre comes in, and it's sort of the same situation, except he's just a more confident and comfortable player than Otto was when he first got onto an NBA court. I've been really impressed by how smooth his shot looks, too. Like, like how it's just all in one motion and he's confident, no hesitation, like he's ready to shoot when he gets the ball. Because sometimes that is a huge thing that, that rookies or even veterans still struggle at, at times. And, and the combination of him being able to be athletic and run the court with wall and also being able to shoot the three – but have some basketball sense, and we're not dealing with Nick oh yeah, and, and not, and not dealing with Nick. You're not dealing with Nick Young, right? That who's athletic and can shoot. Right. Like we're, we're dealing with something that he has some basketball instincts happening, where that doesn't have to be taught by repetition. That he just kind of gets it already, and that's that's really impressive to, for me so far. Oh yeah, and and you talk about a shot. What and it looked very much the same in summer league. And what stands out to me is that he goes straight up and down. There's not a lot of movement on. On a, when he tries to get his lift, and so I think that really helps him to to keep on target and look so smooth on some of those three point attempts. And speaking of three pointers, uh, the, the, the one stats don't lie segment of uh, the podcast that I that I like to do is is the, the thing that st- that stood out to me uh, on this four game winning streak, aside from the things that we have mentioned, was the three pointers. Okay, on defense and offense. So on defense. Going into the Charlotte game, uh, the Wizards, uh, unfortunately, were dead last in the NBA. Uh, I 
on the last podcast, I talked about your piece, Kyle, where you broke down the numbers and you analyzed why, what the hell, what the hell is happening. <laughs> and I think your conclusion was everybody's at fault and broken down to numbers. I'll link that again in the show notes. It was a very good piece. It still kind of applies that it was kind of blame the system. You know, players had a lot to blame, but there's definitely when you're having historically one of the worst defenses since the three point line was introduced, that there's issues and blame to go around. And since that game, or since uh, since they won in, they won against Charlotte, those four games in the winning streak, opponents shot twenty eight percent. So they were shooting forty one, almost forty one percent. So it's thirteen percent improvement. And during that four game stretch, the Wizards shot forty eight percent. So forty six and ninety six, the opponents shot twenty five of eighty nine. That's twenty one more threes. The Wizards benefited from. Uh, weirdly, because this season is weird, Kyle and bizarre. Is that so? Then you think, okay, the Wizards lost these two games. Then you would think, okay, the Wizards' perimeter defense, the leaky perimeter defense, is back to screw them. Well, actually, the Raptors shot, <laughs> the, the Clippers shot 7 of 23 for 30 percent, and the Raptors shot 6 of 24 for 25 percent. So that means the Wizards, in another positive pixels out there for Ted Leonsens, who has skinny T, I know he's listening by now, is, is that the perimeter defense still in these losses? still coming back to, to, to hopefully regressing to the mean of not being the worst defense ever. Unfortunately, the the Wizards shot poorly from three of these last two losses, so maybe that's uh, has more to do with it. I think the Wizards' defense uh, against the Clippers was, was pretty poor. The Raptors, not so much. I think it was pretty good, like you mentioned. Just your you, what you think of me breaking down these numbers of the three-pointers in this perimeter defense and what you see going forward, because this I think this is still a thing uh, with 52 games left in the season that, that, that we're going to see come, uh, bring, come up again here and, here and, here and again. Uh, yeah, I just think they adjusted some of their schemes where the perimeter guys will stay home more in shooters and in, in more situations than they used to. I mean, yeah, you'll see, I, I think, some of what they, what they did, I think, against Memphis, if I can recall, is that Wall would stunt maybe when they pass it in the Gasol to get the ball moving out of his, out of his hands or get him out of his sweet spot. But then, you know, he wouldn't leave the shooters too much or he would fake a double team just to make Memphis hesitate a little bit and allow Gortat or someone get to get in better position against Gasol one-on-one. So they've changed some of the schemes in that regard, and that's helped. Like you said, uh, you know, L.A. didn't shoot very well. Toronto didn't shoot very well um, overall as a team. Uh, so going forward, yeah, we'll see if that adjustment works. But it, it counts on, you know, their ability to play inside and rebound and sort of have someone who's a physical presence. And I think when you're staying home more on shooters, you're going to miss the nay even more because Gortat and Chris Humphreys simply aren't the guys who can clear space in the paint. And then you have Dewan Blair, who's theoretically sort of a, a, a good rebounder and he has a big butt, but he cannot do anything else on the court. So he's just sort of taking up a roster spot when, again, the, it would be really nice if the Wizards had someone off the bench who could contribute more in the paint on defense. 
Should, should, should I do a shot or chug beer every time Juwan Blair is mentioned on this podcast? That's, that's two That's two mentions <laughs> that we mentioned. At least on this the second one, you mentioned uh, he is wasting a roster spot, which is usually the only time I mention him uh, on, on this podcast. Uh, I think you're correct. And you also, once again, Kyle, you're really good on these segues. To uh, Nene, uh, a strained calf. Biombo uh, speaks Portuguese. He was found by a Portuguese national coach uh, in the Congo. He speaks Portuguese, and our good friend, uh, our Brazilian friend Nene, uh, is, is obviously a Portuguese speaker, and he has now missed his 17th straight game with a strained calf. Uh, and only to rival him is is uh, Drew Gooden, uh, who has missed, I think, just as many, if not more, uh, 20 games now with a strained calf. What what the hell, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, you know, what? Well, I guess we'll say that calf injuries are tough. I think recently <laughs> Steph Curry had a scare with a calf injury. And so especially for a big man, I mean, that could – it, it it's it restricts your movement more than more than a lot of things you would more than you would think, and so with Nene in general, it's a familiar story with him. It's whether it's his calf or his Achilles or shoulder or what have you. Um, I guess Jorge, our friend Jorge from the Post, recently reported that uh, Nene uh, MRI recently on his calf to see how it you know if he can come back and start doing things. I guess before it was sort of a familiar story where he heard it in one game, played on it some in this game in Boston, and then left the court and you know, sort of heard it even more. Um, and so he was mad at the basketball gods or whatever <laughs> human he felt was responsible for it. And so he, he just hasn't played since. Um, it's something I think the team comes to expect with Nene. And as long as he can come back and be reliable for the rest of the season. You know, it's good that he misses games now because they'll need him down the stretch. Good looks sort of close to ready. He's out there on the court warming up. I guess him being an, uh, an ageless veteran as well, they're being extra careful with him while preserving the mileage. Um, but like we sort of talked about with Dudley, it would be nice if Gooden got back soon just so Dudley isn't taxed so much. Um we talk about Blair, take a shot. Here's another mention of him. Like we said earlier, I guess he was a late scratch from the Toronto game because he, some sort of injury. And then the last one that's maybe really affecting this team as much, if not more than the Nene one, is Alan Anderson has been out. He's still out. I think a week ago, the report that he was that he was three to five weeks away. I mean, we we're talking about he had surgery back in May to remove bone spurs had another surgery or procedure, as they called it, in mid-October to remove bone fragments. And it still just isn't, I guess, comfortable for him. So, you know, and certainly when we talk about when we talk about Dudley earlier and how he played hurt for the Clippers and that sort of hurt his season and hurt his overall situation, you want it, the Wizards, especially knowing their training staff history, I'm sure they're very aware of it. They really are trying to be careful with these guys. So you understand... Um, especially with Anderson, and he hasn't he missed all of training camp as well. He's got to make sure that ankle is right before coming back, but the Wizards really need him. I think he would help a lot defensively. He might be a guy who allows them to defend the three-point line better, but then helps to, to not get beat by bigger players when they're playing a small lineup. So 
someone needs some of these guys hopefully come back soon because you, what you don't want to happen is the guys who are being tacked now, like John Wall playing a lot of minutes and other guys are playing a lot of minutes, you don't want them to wear down either. So it, it's an injury thing the Wizards are very well familiar with, though, over the years, as you and I well know. Well, maybe when I try to get sponsors for this uh, this this podcast thing, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, the first thing I'll make them sell is like, you can be the sponsor for the injury update section of my podcast because it is it is a long segment. Uh, you have not even mentioned uh, Kyle. We still need more updates. Uh, so this is sponsored by you know Ben Gay. I don't know uh, Kyle uh, Bradley Beal, the panda. What's the latest on him? <laughs> Uh, he's gonna, you know, the, before the Clippers game, he was on the court, but all he was doing was shooting free throws and he wasn't really even moving off the line at that. So I think he's starting activity soon. I mean, during that two sort of plus week span, he wasn't doing anything at all because there, again, the stress fracture that he's or st- stress injury, a pre stress fracture, or whatever term they want to give it, that's affected Bill now the third season in a row. So the past couple seasons after the, this period of rest, he has come back and been okay and played well. So I think he's starting to know his body and know this injury. But it sounds like he might be, you know, I think at one point they said after Christmas, we're obviously near the new year, he might still be at least, uh, you know, a week away from being able to come, being close to maybe coming on the court. So you think it's a week away? I mean, he had a checkup on Saturday, right? Yeah. Said that he's good to go whenever he feels better. That was the consensus? Yeah, I think he just wants to make sure it's 100%. So that's why he's not really, you know, they're taking it slow on what he does at a time and not just throwing him on the practice court. So I, I don't, I think it, it's, it's sort of a timetable. And even at that, Whitman had said he would be on a minutes restriction when he gets back on the court. So I, I say a week. I think certainly if he's starting to do a little bit more stuff and it tightens up again, that can extend that time. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be any less than a week. Yeah, I, I guess it's, I'm asking you to parse the vagueness of Wizards updates on injuries, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very vague injury. You know? Gary Neal, the latest on him. Another rotation player. Yeah, I, I guess his hamstring or back or, or something's been bothering him. Maybe, I think both, they're connected to each other. Uh, the knee bone's connected to the neck bone. Um, and, yeah, he, he's been hurt. I don't, yeah. That's, Who else? Uh, is G-Wiz okay? Is, is, was Phil Chenier missed a game, I saw. Phil Chenier missed a game. We, yeah. He, he had a bad back, and so he missed a road game, I think. So, yeah, we're hoping he... Wow. He, he, but he's been back okay, so. How about, how about uh, any, anyone else we should, we should be worried about? I, I think that's it, right? Am I well, you know, Walt, John Wall is always dinged up. So he's dinged up. And then that Porter, Porter was coming back from injury, but like you said, he played well tonight, so he's back, right? He's back, yeah. yeah. Wall, they had some graphic up on him, basically showed like five different things. On him, <laughs> like oh, his wrist, his back, his Achilles, his knee. I don't know. It seemed like ankle. Everything, yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything on his whole body was uh, was banged up. I was thinking about today if I had ever seen a road Wizards game uh, in this five or six years that I've covered this team, even be- years before that as a fan. 
And I don't think I ever have. I I, I was trying to think of I ever go to a Nets or a Knicks game or Sixers or Bulls or anywhere I'd been or even the Hawks. And I'd never been to a road Wizards game. Of course, I've been to a million uh, Wizards games at the phone booth uh, as a fan and covering it for Truth About It. You happened to be in New Orleans on your honeymoon and were able to time this to uh, have the Wizards on their uh, road trip, which ended up being an unsuccessful one. Uh, you were at the Smoothie King uh, Center. Uh, once again, I think you were there for also, you, I know you were there for the All-Star Game a couple years ago uh, with the same, uh, the misses as well. Your trip to New Orleans, was this your first road Wizards game? I, I don't know. And what was your experience life? How, how much alcohol did you have in your smoothie? Uh, well, it was, well, a couple of clarifications. It was our anniversary trip, our sort of a one-year anniversary trip. Yeah, sorry, trip, honeymoon, not the honeymoon. honeymoon. Yes, my bad. Um, I misspoke. So yeah, it, and and I think originally I always look at the schedule because New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. I, I was one. I think I was like the second or third male in my family born outside of New Orleans, and so I've always just had a connection to that city. Whether it's the you know the the culture, the architecture, the the music, um, also the drinking on the street. It's nice to go to a restaurant and, and still have a drink in your hand, finish eating, and be like, oh, can I have a to-go cup for this? And they're like, yes, of course you can. So, yeah, we took a trip down there, hit up, uh, obviously hit up, you have to walk through Bourbon Street, hit up Frenchman Street, the warehouse district, a couple different places. We were really just down there for two nights, but with the Wizards game being on a Friday, it made sense to to plan a trip around that Um course i got it for my wife for our anniversary and it was <laughs> really a present for both of us uh but she I see, really, I see, I see appreciated it yeah so um so yeah the, it was a it was a close game with the hornets i mean it was How actually was kind of a good game where are your seats i mean where pelicans excuse me pelicans um where are your seats at decent seats on the wizards bench side uh lower level probably like 19 rows up uh, so yeah, so I had decent seats enough to where I could, you know, yell at Gortat some from my seats. Not that I did that, not that I would ever, but you know, <laughs> close enough. But yeah, it was it was a disappointing loss, but it was actually a, a pretty decent game. I know that the Pelicans had like some guys just returning some of their guards because they've had a down season, they've been injured, and and Wall really had a brilliant game. Uh, I just don't think he got enough contributions from uh, from Gortat and some of the other guys, but. Uh, but it was always fun to be in New Orleans. I enjoyed the trip. A win would have made it nice, uh, but maybe next time. What What is that arena like? What are the What What are Pelican fans? Pelly Pelly fans? What's a Pelly fan? Actually, I think it was Star Wars night. I believe it there? was Star Wars night. So, in the wife and I actually got our photo taken with a couple of stormtroopers. Uh, they gave out these Star Wars mugs, which were pretty cool. Uh, and then a lot of people were dressed up, and I think. That actually made the experience uh, a lot better because people in New Orleans they just like to dress up for anything. So I, you know, so you, certainly some people didn't even care about the game; they just would come and dress up as Star Wars characters uh, at the Smoothie King Center. So, uh, so yeah, they were they were into it. I can't say it was like you know the a wild crowd that you would expect even for Friday night in New Orleans. Again, their their Pelicans haven't been uh, they've been a little bit disappointing this year, but Star Wars night uh, certainly made the experience. Awesome. Well, Christmas uh, was just upon us. Uh, I don't know if you got any cool gifts. Did you get any cool gifts? 
I did get, I got a pair, my first pair of Ray-Bans. Ray-Bans, nice. What, yeah. What, what color? Black? The the classic ones? The sort of tortoise ones, I tortoise? think. The wife got them for me. Yeah, that, so it's usually go with um, sort of bootleg street vendor glasses or ones that you get from Target or a gas station because uh, glasses tend to break or do things and you're like, why spend too much money on them? But uh, Ray-Bans are solid, so that that was my best gift this year. Yeah, well, you know, those are also the, the polarized lenses are always key compared to the, the the cheap ones. You really know the difference. Yeah, I just got some money and some clothes and stuff from uh, from the fam. But what I wanted to do a segment on Kyle is if we you know set aside how many millions of dollars these wizards these wizards make and and they try to do something on Comcast about what kind of gifts you would give the wizards and of course they lamed out and said good health. And I was like, that's a lame answer. I was like, come on, where's your creativity? Yeah, of course it's good health. I mean, we want them not to be injured. Yes, I know half a team is injured. Good health, you know, I, you know, world peace. Yeah, yes, I want those things. Like, those are things I already kind of assumed to want. What Any type of presence, you know, set aside that they have money, more money than most of us, and they can probably buy whatever they want. Just kind of some ideas that you would have to... Uh, what kind of presents you would give any 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 certain wizards? Uh, let's see. I think Bradley Beal's presents should be having to wear a panda themed backpack on all road trips. <laughs> I like that one. Let's see. Uh, Gortat's present is he needs actually confidence. <laughs> the Knight versus the Raptors. He he just. When he misses some of those bunnies and even versus the Clippers, like misses some of those shots that those sort of bunnies or mid mid paint jumpers he takes, uh, it really gets in his head. And so I think he needs some confidence for he would need some confidence for the New Year's or Christmas or whatever. Uh, I think Otto Porter, and this is more of a present I've said that would be for Steve Buckhantz, uh, the Wizards, the 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 Wizards play-by-play guy from Comcast that we all know and love, but um, Otto Porter would be to get some his goggles back uh, for Christmas because yes. our, our Buck can't always tell the difference between young Otto <laughs> and his uh, not really doppelganger, but sort of Garrett Temple. Um, so that that would be another Christmas gift. I don't know. What do you have? What do you have? I have your stocking oh, under your tree. Oh, my tree. Oh, my stocking. I, first of all, let's just start with John Wall. I think that he needs a money clip. See, he seems to be a guy that likes to make it rain uh, a lot. So I feel like he needs, you know, either some type of uh, high end kind of money clip when he goes to some gentleman establishments and helps the local community out. Uh, with with their stuff like he did in Dallas and he has done a stadium club before so I think that is good. Come on, you you know he's got a whole dude that carries the money. He's not <laughs> going to carry the money. Some well, dude, some somebody's crew has to carry all that money. For five the, deep, five deep dollars. Yeah, five, five deep. They they probably have a dollar counter. Do I need a counter? Maybe I should get five deep a counter, like a yeah. money counter. Maybe that's it. I'll get five deep a counter. Uh, uh, Randy Whitman. I, I was thinking maybe giving him a, a Bose portable speaker. Uh, it was Spotify membership, you know, kind of give him a, to, he seems like a guy that, you know, he had a flip phone, I think, uh, probably the last person to have a flip phone, probably doesn't know how, I would maybe, you know, load up the Spotify for him, show him how to work the Bluetooth, and he would just be jamming out all over the place. I think that'd be good for Whitman. We know that, we know that Randy <laughs> likes a dark porter beer. I, I can only imagine him just like, 
you know, pop, popping a bottle, jumping back in a beanbag and listening to like basically all the music featured in Days and Confused or like some, uh, some slow ride by Fog Hat or something. Yes. Would be, just jamming out to that. Some, 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 early, some late 70s, early 80s for sure, right? Yeah, you know, why don't I, I would give, you You would go all modern. I would give, people are on the vintage stuff now. I'd give Randy an old record player. Record player? He probably already has one. Yeah, he probably already has one and uses one, so maybe that's not actually a good gift. That's good, a good idea about the the, the, the the beer with Whitman. I think a good porter beer uh, would be good, you know, uh, hence auto porter. No, he, he said that after thing, I can't remember when it was, but he said he likes a dark, like some sort of dark porter beer. I can't yeah. remember what kind he named. I have Gortat, just, you know, a uh, high-end porn membership. Uh, <laughs> I know that he's, he's, he's a guy that uh, mentions porn a lot. He probably already has something like that. I'm not going to speculate. Ubre, I decided to give him a shaving kit, a shaving kit membership, or just a shaving kit, because I feel like he's, he's going to start just really trying to get that goatee going. So if you can give him some shaving kit to give him some confidence... <laughs> <laughs> that, that someday it's coming, you know. Do that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What would you give Kel- young Kelly? He, he he seems to be already having it down on fashion. He's already got so much. I would probably give him some sort of curlers or something. So you know, <laughs> has a, he's got his nice hairstyle and he's got it's like a blonde sort of tip or tail in the back. I just would give him something. I don't know if curlers would be the appropriate thing, but something to sort of add some even more flair to what he's got going in the back. Maybe turn it into a rat tail maybe you can get it straightened and it can be like a just a straight rat tail that goes down his back um that would be actually that would just be a gift for the internet really not necessarily for kelly Ubre, but it's, still it's it's funny i was shopping uh, in the tarjay and Colby heights for my uh, three-year-old for christmas i end up getting her a squirrel game but but anyway uh for those wondering because i'm sure you do but i was in the 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 aisle the toy aisle and i looked and i see my little ponies and i remember my little ponies when my sister grew up and you know i think i i can't remember i think i like the green one but i remember recently i think you one of your tweets that your wife said that 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 kelly Ube reminds her of a, a my little pony yeah and it totally makes sense so i don't i can think of another nba player who would more resemble a my little pony and that's something yeah i do remember from growing up uh way back in the 1980s i think um so yeah yeah, I think I like the purple one too. I, I I'm a little off on the name. There is some there's some weird like guy pony thing that goes on in Baltimore. Did you know about this? I'm sure it's a, yeah. It sounds it sounds Baltimorean. Yeah, no, it's some like pony My Little Pony festival for dudes. I I, I will put that in the show notes, even though maybe I shouldn't. Uh, moving on, uh, Auto Porter. <laughs> I, I, I I Auto Porter. I said uh, cooking class uh, at possibly at Union Market. I. I felt like in your article of him a couple of years ago, he had never really got around to the city much. So maybe I can get him to, you know, maybe go to H Street, go down to Union Market, kind of get involved. I feel like he could, you know, use some cooking skills. So maybe get him out and about on the city, uh, get him involved with some ingredients that he kind of, uh, that might be beneficial for him. Yeah, and then I'll add for Jared Dudley, <laughs> Maybe we should get him a new social media platform. You you seem to be the Snapchat guy. Like Dudley is very good on Twitter, um, and I'm, I think he might be on Instagram. I don't I don't recall him putting too many things on Instagram. You would know, but maybe getting him a new platform for per- Periscope maybe holidays. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe just, Periscope. Maybe just have him do some Periscopes like post game. 
Uh, I know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's on Snapchat. Uh, Garrett Temple is on Snapchat usually, just talking about how tired he is. Uh, he was quoting uh, some some preacher the other day, but uh, he's he's pretty funny sometimes with 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 his stuff. Uh, but yeah, I do like that one for Dudley. I don't know if I have something offhand for Dudley. Maybe maybe I know some some food one. Maybe some new restaurant. I know that he looking for new restaurants. Maybe I would just. Give him a gift certificate. He crowdsources for restaurants. Yes, a lot. yes, yes. So maybe I'll do that for him. Uh, Chris Humphreys uh, broed out. I, I, you know, he's a big waterboarder or a wakeboarder. He loves to be on the water. I thought that you know, with the most popular gift this this Christmas, I think being that hoverboard thing. That uh, I thought that that would be a good good gift for him. You already be kind of he'd already have the balance down being an athlete and being a wakeboarder. That I wouldn't have to worry about him really uh, injuring himself. Like uh, I think I saw Dan Ugla, uh, and they had a bunch of uh, videos on Deadspin of a bunch of people uh, getting injured, parents getting injured on them, which was kind of funny. Anything for Chris? I, w- I would get Chris Humphreys a. 1920-style bathing suit made of beach ball material. <laughs> I think that would just be, like, sort of fashionable for him. He's a, he's a bro who likes to, you know, be outside and bro and be at the pool. So, uh, you know, toss around beach ball. So that, that would be an appropriate gift for him. Yeah, how, how about Ramon Sessions? I, I couldn't really come up with anything for him. <laughs> He, you know, his eyebrows seem to be very quaffed, so I would get him maybe, like, maybe just a, yeah, just a, a certificate to a nice Manny Petty type of eyebrow salon place that could just keep him on point. Uh, this is this has been my favorite segment of podcasting for the year. Uh, better than breaking down how uh, awful uh, this team plays defense and struggles at offense. It, this has been a fun one. Uh, before we go, Kyle, because it's been too long, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for all listening, because I'm sure uh, that one was very entertaining. If you were actually, it is pretty entertaining. I, I do like I, I do like Sessions' eyebrows are kind of. He does like he needs some help with them, I believe. I guess the my my my, my stepdad was telling me his his niece is in, lives in Chicago and she shaves her eyebrows. She's a pretty attractive girl, maybe in her mid twenties. Shaves them and then paints them on. That's like the new style. I didn't see her. I didn't get a chance to see her, but uh, I thought that was seemed kind of odd. I haven't really seen any girls in DC do that, but I guess maybe we're behind the times. Yeah, this, we're behind Chicago, I guess. I, I guess on this eyebrow Sorry. thing. Kyle, the 2015 has been closed on the Wizards. There is a four-game homestand coming on, coming up. Uh, Orlando on the 1st, on January 1st, 2016. Hopefully we won't wake up to any bookie, bookie ball news of any players. We did with Gilbert Arenas. January 3rd, uh, they host Miami on Sunday. Uh, January 6th, the Cavs come to town uh, for the first time. And then the Raptors uh, once again come to town. Four teams above them in the standings. Four Eastern Conference teams. This is a big stretch. These are all winnable games. They've actually beat uh, three of these. They beat Orlando twice. They beat Miami and Cleveland already. Uh, so they're pretty much they're four and two against these teams. Only two losses being against obviously against Toronto. This four game stretch, how do you see it? You don't really have to talk about each game, but just your overall sense of these four as they, as they come. And once again, I know I'm prefacing this. It seems like a very big stretch for this ball club, sitting at 14 and 16. I mean, you can really see them going anyway here. 14 to 20 would be a disaster. 16 and 18 still kind of treading water, but if they get a three or one or four and zero here. 
I think we can maybe see this team kind of carry some momentum into the new year when they get some health back. Yeah, I mean, this they have four games at home, but even if you look at the four games after that, you know, at Orlando, at Chicago, Milwaukee at home, and at Indiana, th- these first two weeks of January are against some very tough opponents. I mean, they're, they're, not only will there not be an easy game there, all of them will be pretty hard games. And so we remember this time last year when the Wizards got off to a great start, but starting, you know, beginning with a, a late uh, 2014 loss to Dallas, I think, um, or maybe they did play Dallas on New Year's Day last year, they, they just did not start 2015 well. And so now they haven't had a great start to, to, this, to this season now, I mean, to this year now. And hopefully they can turn it around because if they – I think if they stumble in these first eight games and lose like five out of eight, uh, that can be a, that might be a shot to the confidence of this team. Hey everyone, had some technical difficulties. Had to cut the call short with Kyle. Skype was about as reliable as the wireless inside the Verizon Center during Caps and Wizards games. <laughs> I think the pod. Got you some good stuff, and you know, as always, it's free. 2015 was a crazy year for the Wiz. If I was more organized, I would maybe go through the top 10 list or something like that, but I'd rather focus on this season and moving ahead because it doesn't really matter what really happened last year. We can still celebrate it. It still happened, but the focus of this team getting back, getting over 500 is what I'm more concerned and worried about than you know, celebrating Paul Pierce's bank shot again. But which was still pretty damn awesome and probably the highlight of 2015, which I just said I wasn't going to do that, but I did. So, you know, hey, it's my podcast. <laughs> anyway, thank you for support, everyone. Supporting truthaboutit.net, supporting Pixel Roll, this podcast, regardless of how this, this rest of the season shakes out. I'm going to continually do this, hopefully twice a week. Gets, I got some more guests planned. Should be entertaining. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell any Wizards wizard people that there's some guy that rants about the Wizards. I think it's kind of a unique podcast out there, and we spend a lot of time on this team, and might as well drop some knowledge to the people. And once again, it's, it's, it, it is free. <laughs> so hopefully all you uh, people out there are nursing those hangovers and recovering. It is now 2016. The Wizards play tonight against the Magic. As always, go Wiz. Supposed to mean